Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of our scripture this morning. Gene is coming to read our scripture. It comes, a scripture this morning comes out of 2 Corinthians once again, as we have been looking at Paul's word to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Oh God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. Now, God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I know what it is to sow sparingly and to reap sparingly. Growing up on a farm, uh, a farm boy at, 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 my very, at my very heart, you can, take the far, you can take the boy out of the farm, but you, you, can never, uh, you can't ever take the farm out of the boy. I'm a, I'm a farm boy at heart, and that's what I always will be, even, even in the very heart of downtown Oklahoma City. I, 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 know, what it, I know what it is, literally, to, to sow sparingly and, and, to, and to reap sparingly. There, there, have, been, uh, there have been times on, on the farm... There have been times on the farm that we have uh, that we have had meager crops. We have had meager crops. Now, now I, I don't know if you know a whole lot about the wheat industry, but that was the crop that that we raised on our farm: wheat and 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 cattle. We've uh, we've pretty much gotten out of the wheat business. But uh, so originally, when someone would when someone would sow a grain, uh, again, just let's take wheat for example. They would simply uh, dip their hand into a uh, to a bucket or uh, to somewhere, and they would gra- they would grab some uh, grab some grains and just broadcast it by hand. In fact, there are in some countries they they still do that. They they simply broadcast the seed by hand, or or they may have a it looks like a little fertilizer spreader, a, a handheld fertilizer spreader, and and uh, you know crank that little thing, and it it just spreads spreads the seeds well. Well, the the invention of of the of the drill or the the grain drill changed farming forever. This was in the mid eight mid to late 1800s when the when the drill was was um, 
uh, was discovered, not discovered, but, but invented. And this is a picture of a, of a modern drill, a, a fairly modern drill. They have other drills. And, and so what happens is that uh, there's kind of a, a hopper on the back. And, and every time that uh, there's some cogs in there, and each time that the cog goes through there, a seed will a grain will, will drop into, into that, and it'll go down into a hose, and it will be, it'll be put into a furrow on, on the ground. Uh, and, and so that's how, a, that's how a wheat drill works or another uh, grain drill works. And so in, in western Oklahoma, and in, in, in fact most of, most of Oklahoma, the, uh, you will put about, about two to maybe up, maybe up to three and a half bushels per acre. Now, for many of us, we have no idea how big an acre is, and we have no idea how big a bushel is as well. So, so let me tell you. So our sanctuary, I, by the way, I stepped it off today. Our sanctuary is almost a half an acre. It's a, almost, a, almost a half an acre. If you can, if you can imagine, well, actually, if, if you would include the if you would include the, the, the choir room and, uh, and, and our, uh, our, our hallway or a gathering area out here, that's about, that's about half an acre. And so in that half an acre, you would, uh, you would, be, you would put, be putting about, about one bushel one bushel of wheat if you were going to be planting it. Now, so how big is a bushel? Well, a typical laundry basket is about two bushels. And so it's about a half of a laundry basket would be able to cover uh, about the size of this sanctuary. Now, that doesn't seem like very much grain, does it? <laughs> now, again, that's on, the, that's on the lower end. Now, what the, what the experts have said, indeed, there, there is, I mean, there's a point where if you, don't, if you don't put out enough grain on the soil, you will not have, uh, the, the wheat won't germinate properly. You just simply won't be using your, your field to its greatest advantage. But there's also a, a maximum amount, really. If, if you put over uh, three or four bushels per acre, you're, really you're losing your return on your investment because there's only, there's only so, many, uh, so many plants, so many stalks of wheat that can come up. And what you'll find on wheat, so you plant one grain of wheat, again, at a, 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 a couple of bushels per acre, and the return on that in Oklahoma is typically, uh, on, in far western Oklahoma, maybe 25 bushels per acre on a, on a good year. Uh, there, will be there will be places in Oklahoma that will, uh, they'll, it'll produce 80, up to 80 bushels per acre. I heard this summer, this summer it was an, it was an outstanding wheat crop. I heard at places, I heard that there, were, there was 100 bushel wheat. And so you, you, you give, uh, you put in the soil two bushels, two to three bushels per acre, and the return on investment is up to 100 bushels per acre. Here's a picture of a combine that I grew up. Uh, this was one of the, the picture of a, a combine just like that. It was called a John Deere 55. Now, there's a, a, a number of things that will, uh, that will affect how much that, that wheat crop will yield. Some of it is uh, how, how much you sow. Some of the wheat crop, the, the results of the harvest will be due to uh, how much, if, if, you, if you've grazed it, if you've grazed it in the wintertime, but with livestock or even animals may come along and, and eat some of that grain. And even the combine will also have an effect 
on that grain. Some of the old combines, like this one, again, an old John Deere 55, uh, you would lose about 10% of your wheat crop just because of the inefficiency of, of the combine. Any more, any more that, that inefficiency is way down, certainly in the single digits, well less than 5% uh, that, you will, that you will lose in, on a combine. And so there have been years, indeed, there have been years that we had, um, that we, there weren't too many years that we sowed sparingly, but there were a lot of years that we, that we reaped sparingly. But can you imagine, can you imagine a, a farmer when it was, when it was time, when it was time to, to plant their crop, can you imagine a farmer waking up on that morning or that week and saying, you know, I'm just too tired. I, I'm just, I'm just not going to sow anything. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hope for the best. I'm not going to, I mean, there may be some volunteer that comes up or there may be, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just, I'm just too tired. I, I, I'm just not going to sow anything this year. So how much, how much harvest are they going to get? Absolutely zero. Absolutely zero. Or, or someone, uh, and can you imagine a farmer saying, you know, I'm, I don't have quite enough to go around this year, I don't think. And so I'm only going to, instead of, instead of, Instead of sowing three bushels per acre, I don't, I don't want to put that much into the ground. I'm, a, I'm only going to sow one bushel per acre. I'll give it a whole bunch of tender, loving care, and I'll, I'll be praying throughout the year. Uh, how, much, how much harvest do you think they're going to get? You, they, they sowed sparingly. They're going to reap sparingly as well. They're going to reap sparingly. Some of us. Some of us, as we have been thinking about our faith promise. Again, the, the, the concept of, of faith promise is uh, it's, a, it, it's simply a program that churches have used for many, many years. First churches use it for many years as we think about missions, as we think about supporting our missionaries around the world. And so as we think about faith promise, it's not, I mean, certainly it's about missions, but more than anything, it really is about faith. So how much faith do we really have that God will provide for us what we've said we're going to give? And in some sense, I mean, that's kind of what we do with our regular giving to our church. I, I know there are some people that say, well, you know, missions, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 don't, we, don't we have lots of lost people right here in our, right here in our backyard? And no doubt, no doubt we do. And, I, and, I'll, and I would, I'll, I, my response to that would be that, uh, you bet, and, and we have a, a $700,000 budget, and about, um, about 85% of that goes to reaching the neighborhood right here in our own backyard. But then about 15% of our budget, 15 to 18%, depending on the year, goes to, uh, goes to our missions outreach in the life of, in the, life of the church. And so, indeed, we are we're doing everything that we can to reach our, our, neighborhood, our, our neighborhood. But certainly, certainly, I believe that we are called. We are, we are called to make sure that the gospel reaches to the very ends, of, very ends of the earth. Well, others have said, well, I just can't afford it. I mean, I'm given, I, I just can't. I, we've got, um, I mean, these are, these are conversations that, that we've had in our family when, when you think about a car payment and you think about a, a house payment and you think about a, a daughter getting ready to get married and uh, some kids uh, in college and I mean just the stuff of life I just I mean, we just can't afford it 
But what we found is that, is that as we have prayed through this, God is, God's, he's just simply given us an amount that we need, that we need to commit to. And, and how God's going to come through, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, like everyone else, we're, 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 we're living at the very edge of, of what we make, like almost every other American. God has placed, a, God has placed a, a, an amount on our heart, and we have no, again, we have no idea how God's going to come through, but part of faith promise is trusting and having faith that indeed God is going to come through. God indeed is going to come through. And then there are others. There are others, and just, and, and they, they, the response is, you know, I, I, hate, I hate that the church asks for money. I absolutely hate that the preacher feels like he can talk about money. Um, well, I'll tell you, uh, Paul didn't seem too afraid to talk about money to that church at Corinth. We, we, we started looking at it last week. And so the situation here in, in chapters 8 and 9 of the, of the book of 2 Corinthians, and it's probably the third or fourth letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. At, at least, we know at least it's the third letter, and, and more than likely it's the fourth, actually fourth letter that he, that he has written to the church at Corinth. And, and Corinth, was a, um, Corinth was, a, was a church in an area of, of the world that, um, I mean, it was a pretty, it was a pretty wealthy area, but it was, it was also um, very, very theologically diverse. I mean, you had people of all kinds of religions there in, in, this, in this community of Corinth. But there was, a, there was a struggling church in Jerusalem, and it was where the, where the apostles were living. And they were experiencing extreme persecution there in Jerusalem. And so these Christians, not only were they being persecuted um, by, by, the, by the ruling Jews, but they were also being persecuted by the Roman government, so they couldn't get jobs. They didn't have any way of supporting themselves, uh, and they were extremely poor. And so Paul was writing to this church at Corinth and saying, Can't, we, we need you, we need you to give to these, to these folks in Jerusalem that are, that, are extreme, that are experiencing extreme, extreme poverty. And so he, he, so he, he, he outlines for them that there's, a, uh, there's, a, there's a, a, some really poor churches in Mesopotamia, and they have, they have given, and, I know, and we know that you started giving last year, but I want you to con- go ahead and complete that work. Complete your giving to them. And then, here in chapter 9, he, he begins to, to outline then what it is to, to give. What it is to give. If you, those who, those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. Those who, those who sow bountifully will also reap bountifully. He, he goes on to say, each must give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I've heard this passage of scripture time and time and again, but I think it takes on new meaning whenever we're thinking about where our, where our finances are going today. When we think about our missionaries that are around the world, this past Wednesday we heard uh, we heard from Ben West, and, and his, uh, his wife and three children were here, and he talked about the, the ministry that he is performing. But we also have another missionary that we're supporting, Nikolai Smirnov. Nikolai is um, in the Ukraine. Uh, Nikolai, he's been one of our missionaries that we've supported for a number of years, and he is doing some amazing works. He's, in a, he's planted a, a small little church there in Ukraine, 
uh, we have been we have been financially supporting him for again a number a number of years. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I think we're the only church that sends him any financial support. I don't think he has any other financial support coming in at all. I, um, he um, he is so frugal in what he does. He um, uh, we have again we've we've sent him some money, and he always asks us. Every, I mean we. And we send him money, and he always asks us, so what do you want us to do with that money? What do you want me to do with that money? We tell him, use it for the spreading of the gospel. We found out that he had been sleeping on a, uh, on a recliner. He's been re- sleeping in a recliner for the last two years. He doesn't have a bed. He sl- he, he, uh, his house is there in his little church that he has built. Uh, and we told him, please, please buy yourself a bed. He's refused to buy a bed up to this point because he wants to make sure that the money that we have given him goes directly to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so there's a picture of, of him uh, and his small worship team and, and his church as well. They have a wonderful ministry to the children of that area. Uh, they've been making some crafts here and, and bringing the children together to make some food as well. And then they also have a feeding program on the, uh, the, the folks who are extremely poor there in that community in which he serves. And so uh, the money that we are giving to support him, again, he, he, doesn't, this is, this, he has no other really source of income other than, other than the money that we're sending him. It's astounding. Absolutely astounding the kind of work that, that both Ben is doing and, and the kind of work that Nikolai is doing. And for some of us, some of us, we, well, we're just, we're just not quite sure. But again, Paul says, Paul says that those who, those who sow bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, now, let me clarify here, I think, what Paul says. Many people will take that out of context and say, well, now, that just simply proves that if you put $10 in, into the offering plate, God's going to put at least $10 back in, in your pocket. Some um, uh, uh, televangelists might even say, God will put $100 back in your pocket. That's not what God says at all. That's not what Paul says at all. Paul says that the harvest that you reap, it will be a spiritual harvest of righteousness. It's going to be a spiritual harvest of righteousness. And that, here's, here's what that means. Righteousness simply means holiness, simply means being set apartness by God. So when we give of ourselves, now hear me now, I'm not just talking about financial resources to, um, financial resources to faith promise today. I'm talking about the more love we give away, the more grace we give away, the more forgiveness that we give away, the more of ourselves we give away, the more of our heart we give away, the more of our finances we give away, the more blessings are going to come our way, meaning God's love is going to become even more evident in our lives. We're going to experience God's love even more. That's what I've found. When I have given more of myself, when I have stepped out in faith by going on a mission trip to Honduras or on a mission trip to Puerto Rico or on a mission trip to, uh, to uh, Four Corners Native American Ministries. Again, these are, these are just reminders to me, uh, of, to me today of, of the different mission trips that I've, 
that I've gone on. I shared last week that I declared that there was one thing that I would never do for God, and that was, that was go on a mission trip, and it's become the joy of my life because I've put myself out there beyond where my faith could take me, and I was in deep, deep water. And I have found when we, are, when we are able and willing to do that, when we are able and willing to absolutely and completely give of ourselves, again, not just of our, our financial resources, but to give of our hearts, to give of our trust, to give of our faith, God will place blessings upon our lives more, more than we could ever, ever imagine. So over the last 21 years of being a pastor, I feel like... I, I've probably given a whole bunch of money. <laughs> I've given a whole bunch of money to missions. Whether it was on the mission trips that I've attended or, or just simply through the local church that, churches that I've, that I've served, um, what I've found is that God hasn't replaced those $10 and those hundreds of dollars and those thousands of dollars that I've given to mission. God hasn't replaced them back in my pocket. I haven't found that necessarily. But what I've found is that God has richly blessed me. My faith is so much deeper now because I've been willing to step out in faith, because I've been willing to trust God, because I've been willing to get out into the deep waters where that water was way over my head and I didn't know how I was going to do it, but somehow God saw me through it each and every time. God's blessings will be so rich upon us as we step out in faith. Would you bow with me? Oh God, your love for us is astounding and life-changing. Indeed, when we step out in faith, when we step out in faith and when we trust you wholeheartedly, when we trust you with our finances, when we trust you with our gifts, when we trust you with our relationships, when we trust you with our heart, when we trust you with our lives, and when we give them all to you, oh God, we know that your blessings are upon us. We know that there is a, we're going to reap a, an abundant harvest of righteousness. So today, oh God, help us to sow abundantly by giving all that we are and all that we have to you. That the world that the world might know that you are God, that you are love, that you are Savior, but likewise, that we too might have our faith deepened, that we too might harvest an abundant harvest of righteousness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.